welcome to another episode of Gift of Gab. I am your host, Gab, and I am super happy to be back. I know y'all have not had a recorded video from me in a while. Um, I've been doing the lives on Wednesday on Instagram, um, and those are a little spicy, so if you know, you know, but I'm, I'm super happy to be back and to be back with a very special guest. So let me tell y'all before I introduce her, I don't know this young lady personally, but I know her personally, right? Because we had a pre-meeting um, and she just has a phenomenal spirit that, I mean, we, we met through the internet and her spirit is just radiating. She just comes off as such a wonderful person and I'm super happy that she is here with me. Um, y'all, welcome to the show, Miss Shakira V. Author, how you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing very, very good. So I'll give y'all a little backstory. So um, I have been trying to network um, in order to get guests for my podcast. And I was up in one of these random podcast pages on Facebook. And I came across a, a, a post from Shakira's husband, right? Um, yeah. He was promoting her book. Let's talk about husband goals. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, he was promoting her book, and I, I just, you know, I was so captivated by the way he spoke about you that I was just like, okay, I, I'm, I, I want her on my podcast. And I was hesitant. I was hesitant, right? Because I was like, this lady probably gonna be like, ma'am, I don't know you, but I reached out, um, and you and your husband were both very receptive, and here we are, and I'm super happy. I'm ready to jump into this episode. So, y'all, Miss Shakira is the author of this book, Big, Black, and Ugly, or So I Thought. So we are going to dive in today. Um, so I want to give you a, a moment, because I'm my show called Gifts of Gab, because I will gab. So go ahead and please introduce yourself, Miss uh, Richardson. Tell the people who you are. So I'm Shakira. Um, I'm 40. It's never too late to start, y'all. Whatever it is, mm -hmm. I'm 40. Um, I currently live in Phoenix, Arizona, or Chandler, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix. Born in Chicago, Atlanta raised me. Um, married for yeah. So I'm I'm prior military, so I've been everywhere. Um, Married, have five kids, none together, um, but I have a set of 19-year-old twins. I have a 14-year-old, and then he has a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Wow. A nice big Brady brunch over there. I okay. love it. I love it. I love it. So um, we're going to go ahead and dive right on in. So my first question to you is, what motivated you, inspired you to write Big, Black, and Ugly, or So I Thought? Um, I would have to say, so a couple years back, I just started like finding myself with the desire to heal and I really didn't know what it looked like. So what I would do is go on Facebook and just share bits and pieces of my story and kind of create a dialogue amongst strangers because what better person to tell all your flaws to than a stranger that you probably will never see again. <laughs> So um, I just started telling them. And then, like, as I started sharing my story, people, like, from everywhere started reaching out, like, oh, my God, that's my story. Or what did you do in this situation? Because I'm going through that now. Or how did you overcome? And so that kind of turned into my own little empowerment movement. Um, and so then I was like, you know what? Everybody is saying, you need to write a book. We want to know more. We want to know more. And I was like. 
I'm not an author. I, I, I can't write a book. I, I don't know what to tell you. How about we gather all these posts together and just put them in a collage and then y'all go from there. But um, That's kind of what prompted it. And then this girl, April, shout out to April Ward. She messaged me and I didn't know her from, I, I've never seen her before. Don't even know how we became friends. She was like, hey, I know this is going to be weird, but do you want to meet up? I bought you something. And I was like, sure. It's expensive thing called Dragon Naturally Speaking, where you just put it into your computer and talk, and it writes the book. Like, whatever you say, it types it out. And she was just like, I see something in you. I don't know if you see it yet, but I was going to give this to you. And so I got it. A year and a half went by, two years went by, and I was like, one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yes, listen, I stand for Queens, supporting other Queens, like, that's major. That is major yeah. with her with her just doing what God put on her heart to do for you to help mm-hmm. you do what God needs you to do, right? For the other yes. people. <laughs> I, listen, I, I absolutely love that just taking a chance on yourself. And we often talk ourselves out of things, right? Like you said, I'm not an author. Because that's what I thought about my podcast. I'm yeah. Podcast host. But look at us but thriving. Yes. Thriving. But you are. <laughs> so one of the things, like, as I was reading your book, I oh, felt boy. a lot of emotion, right? I felt a lot of, like, I was present with you because you were mm-hmm. so descriptive and, and you left no detail to be, like, I didn't have to go searching for anything. It was all yeah. there. So my next question was, as you were writing, um, what was it like to unpack these memories? Because you got some, some deep memories in here. You got some stuff that you... At first, it was kind of like, okay, I'm just kind of recounting what happened. And then it went to, oh, shoot, I forgot that happened to me. Because I thought that sometimes you, like, bury the ugly parts of you in hopes that it never comes back up. But that emotional vomit comes up at the most inopportune times. And so I started thinking, like, how did I I live this. How did I forget that this happened? I would be typing and I'd be like, oh, that's when something, whatever happened. And so then, um, so at first it was a little easier. And then as I started writing more, for, my first thought was, my mom is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is going to kill me because she's kind of like, you know, you don't tell people your business, regardless of it's good, bad. You let them celebrate the good and you keep going. Um, and then when I started getting a little deeper into things, it took a toll on me a little bit. I had to take a break. I was like in here sobbing, um, writing the book and telling your deepest, darkest secrets combined with a little wine is not a good idea. I was in here sobbing like uncontrollably for a good minute. And then I just had to like, you know, take a, take a step back. I think I for like a month or two because I just wasn't like I don't want to revisit that place again so maybe I won't even write it and then like two months later my husband was calling because he was working in San Francisco at the time he's like oh did you start your book back up again and I was like oh no this happened or oh no I couldn't because something happened or I'm looking trying to figure out but in actuality it was just fear like Digging that deep is scary, man. It, and and it, it really is. It, unpacking things that you thought you packed away 
so long ago. Like nobody's ever gonna find this hell. I ain't gonna ever find this. Yeah. And then something happens and you like, oh wait, I, I gotta remember that. And you know, a few things that you um that you talked about just now that I think are important, right? Number one, you know, when it comes to seasoned women, especially seasoned black women, um, they don't like to tell their business. Right. Yes. But one thing I have learned on my journey and, and, you know, if you have learned this too, please add in that it is necessary for us to tell those things because there are other women that need to know, number one, you're not alone in this. Yep. Number two, if I can overcome it, you can overcome it. The recovery is there. Yep. The recovery is there. So it's not just about me. It's about people who I'm supposed to help on their journey. You were about to say, yeah. that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're you're totally right. I agree. And that's one of the reasons. So I didn't tell my mom until I was complete. It had been published. And I sent her a message like, hey, I wrote a book. And she's like, <laughs> I sent her this cover. And I was like, I wrote a book. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And I was like, no, I wrote it. She was like, wait, you wrote a book? And I was like, yeah. So the other day she asked me like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, well, because I didn't want you to talk me out of what I knew I needed to do. And I'm already fearful. So if your fear is on top of my fears, when I know all she's trying to do is protect me, I'm going to go in super protection mode and be like, you know what? Never mind. So I didn't tell her until she got her book in the mail. And I'm like, hey, oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, I know I sent you a text. Your book's coming. And she read with everybody else. So awesome. It reminded me of Betty White on her song when she said, uh, she told, she showed her mom the song. She said, but we eased it right on by. <laughs> <laughs> we eased it right on by. That's, I know you're not going to. Yes, that was my mom. I know you're not going to sing this song. I know you're not writing this book. See, that's why we needed a hymn. Oh, man, that is, listen, I, I completely identify with that because my mom would be like, listen, I know she don't pin the needles with my podcast. And I'm like, mom. Like, what's she going to say? <laughs> oh, Lord, my child. What, what does she have to talk about? That? But, yeah, it was it was really, in the book, there were a lot of times where, I, like I said, I just felt like I was there with you. So I imagined the emotions that I was experiencing through this book. I'm like, oh, like, how was her heart when she was writing this? You know, how were you supporting yourself mentally, emotionally, physically while writing the book? Um, I don't know. I my husband, like, that is my rock. Like, uh, just because me and my mom, we talk every day, all day about everything except that <laughs> before I release the book. So I really didn't have an outlet other than him. And so he he literally helped me get through it. And I felt like I was sobbing, but I wasn't sobbing. My eight-year-old self was on the inside of me sobbing and just sobbing like a sigh of relief and a like, oh, somebody finally hears me. I, I put feelings to the things that I've been thinking and I vocalized it. So I felt like like I wasn't mourning, but my my kid on the inside of me was mourning. And that's, that's huge because, I mean, I've been through a transition myself where I've had to reparent myself, right? I've had to talk to little Gabby because just like you said, it wasn't adult Gabby that was weeping. It was little Gabby that was mm -hmm. weeping. And she yeah. needed to know that somebody was here for her, that I was here for her, right? Yeah. 
that's really important, especially when you're undertaking things like writing a book about your deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going you're to bump into little you, teenage you, you know, early, early adult you, and, and you know, she's going to want to be, feel protected and feel yeah. like you hear me, you see me, somebody cares to, to start really healing those wounds. That's that beat and shout out to your husband again, man. I, I know that is just that's a phenomenal thing to have such a great support system, you know, yeah. and your significant other. So shout out to him. Um, so one of the things that we that I came across in your book was colorism. Um, and unfortunately, colorism is still a major issue in our community. Um, and you wrote, and I quote, I hated being dark skinned so much that I started researching how to fix me. Um, so how did this experience shape the way you think about your skin tone now? And how did you how did you teach your kids about their skin tone since you had, you know, this this deal this issue? So that's one of the other things that prompted me kind of to write this. So my older, my twins, especially my daughter, so I have a set of twins, nineteen, it's a boy and a girl. My son, he didn't really experience colorism because they love six foot he's six foot three dark skin, chocolate, it don't matter. Black women, white women, Mexican women, they just love him. So it doesn't really affect him. My daughter, girl, she thinks she the flyest thing since like <laughs> <Right. this>. <laughs> So <laughs> We're the same color. And, and so it was weird for me to see her like, man, you don't have a care in the world. You think you popping and you actually but And so with my 14-year-old, when I finally got to where I needed to be as a parent, I moved her to what I considered a good school. And the good school included probably 1% Black people. And so she started going through this identity crisis where it was like, I wish I had long hair. I wish I was light skin. I wish I had blue eyes. She only wanted white Barbie dolls. So it was like, a like, oh, crap. I put her in the same situation that I was in, that my mom was just trying to put me in a good school when in actuality it backfired against me. And so funny story is one day I always discuss colorism on Facebook and my experiences. And one of my friends from elementary school was like, hey, do you remember that time you were on the playground and you came to me and was like, I found a way to lighten our skin. And I was like, I said that? And so I really started thinking, and I was like, I remember I was sitting at the monkey bars, and you came, like, I remember so vividly, but until she jogged my memory and brought it up, it was buried away. I hated being dark-skinned so much. Like, it literally affected the way that I moved day-to-day as a kid. So I, I replaced the thing, the color, with, oh, somebody said I had a nice butt. I'm going to accentuate that and become very sexual because then they won't care about my dark skin. I'm giving everything away. So, you know, I, I'm going to replace, quote unquote, my dark skin with other things that I thought other people liked about me. So in actuality, it wasn't healing the fact that I hated being dark skin. It was just kind of covering it and allowing me to skip past that part. And I, and I love the way you talked about how your mom always reassured you though, right? How she was always telling you how gorgeous you were and how, you know, how you were just the, the cream of the crop, right? But, you know, again, I think we forget sometimes that, you know, 
even though that's fine and that's great at home and you should do those things, when when we go out into school, though, when we go out into society, it's a jungle. Yep. It's a jungle. And, it and is. I would, I would, I think that had your mom, though, not poured that much into you, it probably would have been worse, right? Because mm-hmm. if you got a parent at home that's not, or, you know, you're at home and nobody's telling you that you're beautiful and yep. you're going and, and you're getting this, then you would have probably sank a little bit deeper. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably so. Although I, I couldn't trust her. She was light skinned. She couldn't relate. <laughs> I love when you wrote that in the book. I couldn't trust her. I, I just felt like, you know, you obligated to tell me this. So there's no, and even now, I think she still struggles with it because we talk on the phone all the, like, if we talked five to 10 times a day before, we talked 20 times a day. She called and checked on me. Are you okay? I just wanted to talk to you. I see, you know, I know it was a lot to unpack, but n- even now she's like, you really thought girls were cuter than you? I'm like, yeah, they were. I'm like, mom, you're missing the point. You think I was beautiful. I didn't feel beautiful. And she'd be like, that's just crazy because you were beautiful. Everybody wanted you. Your aunts, your uncles, everybody couldn't wait to get their hands on you. And I'm like, mom, you're not listening to what I'm telling you. You know, you also expressed how on top of being dark skinned, you were the tallest kid in your class. You were on top of that, you were smart. And, you know, kids yep. can be brutal. So, here you are with all these things, and then on top of that, you got the nerve to be smart? Yes. And that's how I got on A honor roll every time. Like, I was extremely smart. That combined with me being 5'10", five foot five foot, I'm 5'11 now, but being 5'10 in third, fourth grade with a size 10 shoe, it like, I just stuck out like a sore thumb, and... I don't know if I intimidated people or what, but that was like, they would go for the gusto. Like, you're black, you ugly. Like, I just got the right answer. Why you want to go for me? They was hating. Yeah. <laughs> they was hating. And, and the thing about it is the lighter you are, the, the quicker you burn in the sun. <laughs> they was hating. They was hating. Um, so you kind of touched on your, your experiences with, um, with over sexualization, you know, when you said that you just kind of masked how you felt about your skin color with your body. Um, so early in, early life encounters with over sexualization and sexual abuse, because you, you hinted on that as well, or you mm-hmm. touched on that, resulted in you downplaying your worth. Yes. How did you reclaim the fact that you are worthy? Once you came into Shakira, how did you reclaim that? I'm, I'm enough. I'm worthy exactly as I am. Um, It took a lot of work. It took me first. The first step was me saying no. like Because I felt like if I said no to somebody, mm-hmm. then they would be able to see like, okay, she don't have nothing else to offer. Right. So it first started with me saying, absolutely not. No, I don't want to come to your house. No, I don't want to sleep with you. No, I don't want to give you money. No. That was my first step. And then after that, I really just started positive affirmations. I started just reminding myself, picking out the little things that I liked about myself. It wasn't that many, but eventually when you start reminding yourself who you are, you know, those things kind of compile. And I'm like, okay, so I do like this about me. And I started speaking more positivity into my life because I used to be one of those girls like, don't nobody want me with my ugly self. But those have so much power that 
even if you don't believe it at that point in time, the more you say it, the more you're going to believe that don't nobody like you because you're ugly. And so I just started pouring into myself, speaking positive thoughts, you know, having those conversations with people that look like me who can relate and create that dialogue because for so long, I felt like I was by myself. Nobody else felt like that. When I, I, I hated women so much that I hated the dark-skinned women and I hated the light-skinned women because how can you be darker than me and walk around like you are the bomb.com? I just started trying to surround myself with positive women who poured into me and I learned to pour into them and it just kind of started like that. You know, it's super important, especially um, as we grow older, I always say it's important to have girlfriends. It is. It's important to have other women who pour into you. I, I had a... Um, I had a, a, a relative of mine recently. Um, she told me she said, "Cause she said I just, I, I just only to befriend guys." And and my, I, I was floored. Right? I was like, "Like you need a circle of women because there are certain things that you go through in life that only women can relate to." Relate to. Yep. Need that reassurance from your village. I don't care yeah. how much you love yourself. I don't care how much you are into yourself. It still feels damn good to have people that look like you, that move like you, that experience yep. life the way you do in a lot of different ways to let you know that they see you, to acknowledge yep. your presence, to acknowledge who you are and, and how you are growing. So I say this all the time. Women, get you some grown women friends yep. that support you, that can be a part of your village. That is important. It is Very. And women who aren't scared to correct you in love. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's, let's touch on that a little bit. Let's talk about the emotional maturity on both both people's part where I am I'm mature enough to be receptive of the fact that my friend loves me enough to say, hey, mm -hmm. you're moving wrong. Yep. Come on. And at the beginning, I didn't have that. I always made sure I surrounded myself with people who were okay with my foolery. Because then I don't have to address any of my bad decisions because we all making bad decisions. And if you ain't, I'm going to find a way to reel you in. So I feel like, okay, we all on the same playing field and all is well. I don't have to worry about nobody saying, you know, you was dead wrong. I don't have to worry about any of that. So I surrounded myself with people who I can easily sway or who just didn't care. Listen, come on. So, I love so the way you segue into my next question. Come on. <laughs> so the at least mentality. I loved when you touched on the at least mentality. Um, yeah. Tell us what it is and how it affected you at the time. Oh, the, so when you feel like you are worth nothing, the littlest bit of I'm above you makes you feel so much better. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I would surround myself with people because if I got, when I got out the military, I got a great paying job in my mind. I was making 35000 a year with BP Petroleum. So I surrounded myself with people who made $10, $9, $8 didn't have a car, live with their mom, all of, so then I could be like, I mean, I ain't doing great, but at least I'm making 40, 35, 40,000 a year. I mean, I ain't doing great, but at least I got my own apartment. Even though I'm about to get evicted out of it, I still got it. At least. And 
I'm doing much better than them. So these are the people I want to surround myself with so I can make sure that I'm boosting the little bit of ego that I mustered up the strength to find. I'm going to make sure that I keep them where they're at. I don't ever want them to be better than me. Now, as long as we the same or I'm an inch bit better than you, then we great. We can party all night. We can make bad decisions together. We can bounce checks together. We can do whatever you want to do. We can do it. As long as you don't be like, you know what? I don't want to do this no more. I want to be better. And then I'm like, nah, we don't need to be friends no more. Yeah, we got, but, <laughs> and that at least mentality keeps you stuck, though, right? Because all it you does. have to do is just do the bare minimum to be better than this person. Yes. Yes, and then you have people who are like that, who are in a lower tax bracket than you or living with their parents, and they're looking at you like, man, she's living the life. She just got out the military. She's making $40,000 or 40000 a year, and she's doing great. So they're holding you up to a pedestal because they think that you on your stuff, right. when in actuality, you're not. You're not. Come on, listen to preaching doing <laughs> so it never makes you want to be better because you're okay because you're okay just being better than a little bit um so now page 67 i, I loved when you oh, said, when you said um god kept sparing you why do you think now god kept sparing you um I think about that often. Like I joke with my mom and I always say her mom died when she was very young, when she was 17. And I'm like, it had to be grandma. Cause when I think about it back then, I'm like, I was useless. Like what? If you had to pick between me, who's doing nothing with her life, who loves to be the victim, who's not even trying to grow, who can't be a good mom, who can't be a good daughter or a good sibling, why spare me? There's a million other people who would love a second, third, and fourth chance. So I, I think about it, and I just feel like, you know, sometimes these messages have to come. It, it's, for me, my mom always said, like, why didn't you come talk to me? Why? You have a great credit score. You have an amazing house. You have a great husband. Like, I don't want to be judged. So, yeah, you can't relate to what I'm saying. Like, you run in the clubs, like, you are a great mom. There's nothing that I can relate to you on other than you telling me you need to get it together. And you know, I didn't raise you like this and I don't want to be badgered. So I feel like sometimes I was spared so that I can be that beacon of light for somebody else going through that. Who knows? Like, listen, I can tell her anything. There's nothing that she would be able to judge me about. Only thing she can do is uplift me and give me the tools that I need or that could possibly work for me. To get me where I need to be. So I feel like that alone and because my kids deserved to have a mom yeah. like a real mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. That purpose. Purpose <laughs> and all that pain, right? Purpose. Yeah, purpose. For sure. And we don't like to think of it that way. And I, I've had my 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 um life circumstances where I've been like, God, why? <laughs> what did my past life self do? I'm sick of her because I don't know. What... <laughs> but you know, it, it turns out that it's it, it's perfect. You know, there. Yeah. We went through it to help somebody else get out of it, or never yep. even have to go through it. Never yep. Because just your story is just so amazing, right? 
um, that some some girl can look at this and say, "Hey, I don't want to go through all that. Let me yeah, get myself together. Chicago yeah. went through it, so I don't have to. So let me get yeah. myself together because I don't want to yep. go down that road. That yeah. that is amazing. So touching on that, what advice would you give to a girl or a woman who finds herself in the big black and ugly space? Start from the beginning. Because usually you don't just get to that point overnight. It is literally years or months of feeling like this and having things happen. And yes, things are going to happen. I'm not saying that you don't get a chance to be sad and go through the, the motions of what you're going through. But you have to put your big girl panties on, as my mom would say. Put your big girl panties on and start from the beginning. Because until you get to the beginning, you'll never be able to get to where you're trying to go to because like I say that emotional vomit is going to come up and it's going to come up at the most inopportune times when you're least expecting it where you was just having a great day and you come in and you slide down the wall crying and you have no idea what's going on so you you literally have to start from the beginning from your earliest memory of whatever feeling it is whether it's I'm ugly I, I'm not worthy start from the beginning Write it down. Start speaking life into yourself and know that somebody is somebody is there to listen to. You just got to find that person that is okay with listening, being non-biased, but also holding you accountable. You can't surround yourself with people who allow you to be the victim. I'm, I'm a firm believer in therapy. So I tell yeah. people, go to therapy. Listen, yes. Yes, you have to pay somebody to listen to them. But let me tell you a few things. They are bound by HIPAA laws. They can't go tell your business. Yes, they cannot. They cannot they go cannot. tell your business. And therapy yep. is not about therapy is not just about unpacking all these things, right? It's about formulating a plan so that yep. how you can become your best self. And yes, you yep. do have to address those deep, dark things that again you wanted to hide away. But it yep. gives you the opportunity to start from the beginning. And figure yeah. out why you move the way you move, the things that have happened to you. Like, you know, it, I mean, you had to think back to third grade of some, some guy calling you, you know, super black. And yeah. that shaped the rest of, you know, the things you would do for, for a lot of years of your life. So yeah. I, I highly recommend therapy. Go to yeah. therapy, people, especially black men and women. Go to oh, therapy. Man. Go to yeah. therapy. I, I have some of the best friends in the world, just like I'm sure you do, because you you touched on it here. But everybody is going through something, right? And we can't expect our friends to always be our emotional pillar because yep. they have lives too, and they're trying to sort through their shit. So yeah. go to therapy where these people get paid to make the time to help you yep. sort through your shit. Um, I agree 100%. And also... You don't have to stick with the first therapist you find. If it's not a good fit, keep hopping away until you find somebody that fits what you're trying. And I've been like posing a lot of questions on Facebook. You'd be surprised the amount of women who just commented on my posts is like, listen, before you posted this and before I started reading other people's answers, I thought I was good, but I'm not. <laughs> So even if you don't think, even if you think, you know, this stuff has just happened to me, but I'll bounce back. It's not because I'm sad. or You don't have to be depressed or sad to need a therapist. Yep. You can literally just need an unbiased ear who's going to straighten you out, 
if you if that's what you require and get you to your next level or like you said your best self about it but you can um get the book on www.kyra k-y-r-a the author t-h-e-a-u-t-h-o-r.com perfect and where can the people find you on social media um so my facebook name is shakira s richardson and that is s-h-a-k-y-r-a s like sam is my middle initial and richardson and then i'm on instagram as kyra the author and we love it. Listen, Kyra, I cannot thank you enough for coming through, sharing your your journey here on the Gifts of Gab. That that means so much to me. I really enjoyed your book, like thoroughly enjoyed your book. Thank um, you. I can't tell you the the amount of gems that I picked up just about self love and about keep going, keep going. I, I think that was for me the the biggest lesson from your book. Um, because I always tell people, you know, the things I talk about, I haven't mastered. I'm still going through. Yeah. I just want you yep. to know that, you know, Same. we all are. So your book, the message for me was keep going. Absolutely. Keep all yep. back up. Like, keep going. You rest. Yourself up. You keep going. So I, I, yep. I appreciate you so, so much for being here on Gifts of Gab. I hope you Thank come you back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm looking I'm forward to my book. I'm, yes. Listen. <laughs>